Hey, we've got a great show for you today. Um, it's a, a great, great podcast that you just don't want to miss. We had Tammy Bruce on today. We had Bill O'Reilly in a in rare, on fire. Yeah. rare form uh, today. Also, the Attorney General of Texas, he is going after ERCOT, which is this, this advisory board to the Texas Energy um, uh, plant, which there's something really really wrong in texas when we can't generate our own energy because it's cold outside we talked to him about that freedom of speech and so much more all on today's podcast don't forget to get your andrew cuomo is awful.com mugs and t-shirts uh, go to andrew cuomo is awful.com for those and don't forget blaze tv.com slash glenn the promo code being glenn for 30 percent off right now your blaze tv subscription get on board The best of the Glenn Beck program. So here we are in a uh, situation in Texas we should not be in. Uh, There is no reason why we're in this situation. Uh, The Electric Reliability Council of Texas uh, is the one that actually runs and oversees all of the... uh, uh, all of the the power grid and all of the companies that are making power, and there's a problem there. There's a real problem there. Now, this is a is it a public private partnership? I mean, I know it's it's <laughs> overseen by the government of Texas, uh, but I think it's a private corporation. This is one of those things that no one in Texas knew existed until yep. this week, yep. and now everyone is an expert on it. Yeah. Like, everyone knows exactly what ERCOT was doing and how they screwed this up. Yeah. It's becoming the big uh, talking point down here. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, they the name reliability is is what it's what the r is yeah and, it's right? that, and they're not doing it <laughs> no. and I, I don't know if you've seen the the um the meetings the 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 meeting that they had two weeks ago and the minutes of the meeting is absolutely unbelievable let me give you this um top officials at ERCOT, the texas council regulates the state electric electricity grid spent uh, their time talking about the impending winter storm during the entity's board meeting last week. A recording of the board meeting from KSAT Channel 12 shows that the conversation went like this. Quote, one thing I want to say before we really get into the presentation is it's actually going to be winter here pretty soon. As many of you, those in Texas know, we have a cold front coming this way. We'll probably see our winter peak later this week or very early next week. The uh, operations have issued an operating condition notice just to make sure everybody's up to speed with their winterization and uh, ready for several days of pretty frigid temperatures to come our way. So. More on that in the next few days, but it does look like we're going to have a little bit of winter weather here to contend with over the course of the rest of the week and into the next week. End quote. That was the entire discussion of winterization for the Reliability Council here in Texas. So they covered it. Yeah, they covered it. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah <laughs> they covered it. And then they started talking about cowboy boots and, and everything else. It's fascinating. I mean, I... I <laughs> You know, I mean, there was a little bit of an issue uh, with <laughs> with power going out. And honestly, that's just one of the issues. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The electricity is one of the issues. I will say, I didn't lose electricity at all 
my electricity was 100% reliable. We didn't even have it blink the entire time. Mine went is, out all the time. Ours didn't, which I don't yeah. know why. Maybe cause I've heard that like if you're near a hospital, if you happen to be in the same, they keep those up no matter yeah, what. So right, that may right. have been uh, the reason. But like uh, I will say, I did get uh, woke up. I woke up on uh, Monday morning mm-hmm. to a very loud alarm going off in my oh. home. Okay. Uh, and I was like, oh, the kids must have like opened up the door before we turned the alarm off in the morning or whatever. Right. Uh, tried to turn the alarm off. Didn't go off, which mm-hmm. has never happened before. Right. So we start looking around. I'm like, oh, gosh, is there a fire? Like, what is happening? Um, and uh, my wife turns around the corner and has this uh, interesting uh, thing happen where um, gallons of water are gushing from the ceiling. Oh, you now, got this a new water wolf, a new waterfall. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I was like, did you put in a new uh, water effect? Like yeah. what What exactly? <laughs> right. Yeah. And it was kind of pouring through the alarm onto the floor. Ah. And what, what what happens, Glenn, when water comes up from your ceiling onto the floor, <laughs> it starts to build up. Uh, it, so there's inches and inches and inches of water uh, inside upstairs. your home. Really? While it's two degrees outside. Right. Which is really fun. So, so we couldn't take a shower one day, but you didn't have a problem with that. No, you I didn't have a problem at all. Right yeah, yeah, I could have just hopped in any time. Right. Uh, <laughs> right. So we go, we run around trying to figure out what's going on. I go up into the attic and mm-hmm. I realize there's a burst pipe. So there's a pipe in our house, which, by the way, was insulated and is still bur- burst somehow and is, is just spewing water all over the place. There's no local shutoff, but I do remember because I'm a homeowner, Glenn. Right. And I know one how to do one thing in the home. Turn the water off. Turn the water off in case of emergency. Right. It's the only thing I know Out how to do. by the know. street. Everything else. If the house goes on fire, I just let it burn to the ground. Right. I have no I have no ability to correct any other problem in this home. Right. Except to turn the water off. Right. Luckily, there's snow and ice all over the ground. And, of course, the panel to do this uh-huh. is under the snow and the ice. Right. So that means digging through the snow and the ice to open up the little com- compartment uh, while water's just gushing into my house. And, of course... We were asleep, so we have no idea how long it was gushing into the house before the alarm went off. Right. It was a while, because right. there was a lot of water all over right. the place. Right. So I go out and I and I I open up the. I finally get the thing open. I, of course, obviously the the uh, the valve is frozen. Sure. So I can't turn it. Right. Uh, but so I eventually, you know, after a few minutes and a lot of swearing, mm. I'm able to actually get the thing turned. So I run in as the hero, of course, that I am. Mm-hmm. And I run into the house and I go upstairs and I look at the pipe and the water is still gushing out of the pipe. Wow. Now, I thought that was interesting because <laughs> yeah. I just turned it off. Right. But I thought to myself, you know, it's going to take a little bit because there's water in the gotta system. Got to get it out of the pipe. Got to get out of there. So yeah. this is going to end any second. So I sat, sat, sat there and I just kind of stared at the pipe for 30 seconds and then like a minute and then like a minute and a half and two. <laughs> and then I started yelling at the pipe because right. i think if you yell loud enough at the pipe right it's did eventually- you use french did you speak uh, in any french i words? came up with all new words <laughs> all new, for this situation all new french words you did you have you asked and said pardon my french uh, yeah, I, was, I was respectful at the beginning right. to the okay. pipe yeah. i will say that broke down <laughs> right okay over time quickly and uh, very quickly <laughs> yeah right and it just kept gushing and gushing and gushing right. and gushing yeah 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 and i just i kept at i said Turn, I kept screaming at it to turn off, which right. it would not do. It was you like not voice activated voice, at all. <laughs> no voice activated wow. pipe. It's unbelievable. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's so. Well, you're living in the Stone Age. So my wife uh, is calling uh, this the city. 
uh, and calling various random companies she's Googled. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, this is what you right. do in this situation. Right. And so I would say maybe 40 minutes later, uh-huh. we, the, the city gets out there and turns the water off. Hmm. So the water stops. At this point, I don't know, six, eight inches of water is mm. uh, throughout the house. And there's like, I'm trying to protect certain rooms like hoping that i can like save the room and then i i lose that line you know like we just kept falling back right you know like right. retreating it's like normandy oh my gosh and <laughs> i am like, like normandy like an idiot glenn you yeah. know just plastic bins just pushing water out the door like i, I have no defense there's like it's coming down at like you know it's probably 50 gallons at a any minute. time did you go eh no, I I <laughs> really? will say we we called the a company to come out. They come out almost immediately, which is amazing. I mean, I I can't believe they came out this fast. And they start cleaning the thing up and we were talking to the guy and he's like, "Yeah, he's like you'd be surprised how many people we get here and this is going on and the house is filling up with water and they're just sitting on the couch." They're just like <laughs> they're just like screw it and letting it happen. I was like an idiot doing everything I could to get the water out of the house. So eventually we get the thing all dried out and, you know, I mean, it's, but the house is a catastrophe. I mean, like it's going to be six months of, of disaster. Yeah. Uh, We're going to, I'm sure be moving out uh, to, because I mean, the entire floors of the entire house are going to have to be repaired. Mm -hmm. All the, you know, all the, are are redone completely. Mm -hmm. It's going to be lose the house type of, uh, so, you know, here's the thing that uh, really pisses me off about this story. Uh, because I saw I saw what happened uh, mm-hmm. on Monday because uh, your your wife was, uh, you know, on Instagram immediately. Of she, course, yeah. she wasn't with the buckets. She was no, right. She there was with, just taking pictures. She was and just taking posting. pictures mm-hmm. and posting. Yeah. And, and, so, and saving her legitimately. We're in the middle of this. The water's still pouring through the roof. And, you know, I've got I'm setting up plastic bins. I'm bailing out water and I come around the corner and I see her uh, wheeling in her Peloton. Like she's saving the stupid exercise bike. That is so funny. And I'm like, what? Well, what are you doing? And then all the all the dust settles, and I go into the room, and her Peloton is safe. That one was. Well, I don't know if it was safe. I mean, it got water on it, so it probably isn't safe because it's got all sorts of electronics in it. But then next to it are her weights, like the the the, the rubber <laughs> and metal things okay. that you lift for exercise weights. She pulled those out of the room to save the weights. <laughs> of all things in the world it's the most resilient thing in the household it's like, metal and rubber yeah the picture's gone yeah, yeah everything yeah, else is gone, screwed gone. <laughs> but she's got the metal weight she got the metal weight yeah. so yeah uh, so was, so i'm watching uh i'm watching her i didn't see her pull the weights out but mm-hmm. you know she needed one hand uh you know for the phone and probably needed two hands for the weight yes. so i didn't mm-hmm. see that part uh but i i watched it and my first reaction well i should say my first reaction was oh my gosh poor Stu and yeah. lisa then my next reaction was wait a minute i have been doing construction in my house mm-hmm. and i've been renovating my house for about a year spent all kinds of money all i had to do was wait for a storm to burst a pipe (laughs) and it all would have been taken care of by insurance i'm ripped off i feel really ripped off right now i feel like the dumbest guy in the world because the my my next whatever three six months sound a lot like the thing you did by choice yeah which is yeah. uh that and paid for and paid for and paid for Sounds where all terrible. i had to do was wait for a stupid <laughs> burst pipe right so you pissed me off uh-huh you pissed me off yes thank you well you know what you pissed me off a little bit too oh really uh yeah uh, a little bit yeah because um 
as I said, I turned the water off, but the water didn't go off. Huh. I, well, how would that happen? Right. right. It doesn't seem possible. Did it, I just screw it up? Like, very possible. Probably. That was my, in probably. The moment, in the moment was my explanation. And you should go with that right. moment. Yeah. No. Because we learned later that what happened was, huh? it was the sprinkler line... Huh. Which I guess is supposed to save our house from a fire and did a great job because no fire could have been lit at that moment, Glenn. <laughs> right. When the whole house was underwater, right, right. the fire wouldn't have burned it down, yeah. I don't think. Um, but uh, it was a separate line. So when you turn right. off the water, the one thing I knew how to sure. do in the house, it doesn't turn off the sprinkler of line. Of not. course not. That would be crazy. Right. So You but, didn't know that? No, I didn't know that. But you know huh. who did know that? <laughs> no. Who? You. I don't. What are you talking because about? Because you told me after the incident that someone came to your house from your neighborhood. Yeah. And said, hey, by the way. Right. Be careful with these sprinkler lines. Make sure you drain the sprinklers before uh, before the freeze because well, they can burst really easily. Right. And then Glenn had that information and locked it inside a little lockbox so that no one else would know. Well, So now I, he has a dry house and no one else else does thank you glenn well you're welcome did it slip your mind so, no it here's what i thought of i didn't even know i had a sprinkler in my house <laughs> in texas apparently you have sprinklers and you're you know like you have in offices you right. have sprinklers that pop out of the ceilings right. and it's like some mm. law or insurance thing or mm. i don't know what it is oh it's great it's great uh, whatever it's, it is it's fantastic it's wonderful i didn't even for two years i lived in the house i didn't even know we had sprinklers then a friend calls me, I think, on Saturday or Sunday and says... Sunday would be the day before this happened to me, by the way. I just wanted to point out yeah, what could happen to me, too. And so he said, <laughs> do you have sprinklers? And I said, uh, yeah. And he said, are they off? And I said, I, I don't know. I have no idea. How do you turn them off? What, what is that? So he showed me. He came over, and he and a friend came over, and they, they uh, helped me drain the lines. And I just thought, I mean, that's great. I don't know anybody with sprinklers in their house. I mean, have you ever known anyone with sprinklers in their house? No, I, you know, and I don't, they're not everywhere. I mean, but uh, you think, because what I find interesting about it is like, you look at that and be like, that's a great feature. What a great feature of a house. <laughs> it's really it's, not. It's adding to the safety of the house. Yeah, It's no. going to protect the house. No. No. It, it actually destroys the, the house. It destroyed the house. Yeah. We, we just built the vault over at Mercury One. And, you know, it has to have fire suppression in it. And it's all full of rare artifacts and documents. And right. They're like, well, let's go put some sprinklers in. We're like, no, right. <laughs> no. Yeah. And it's the same thing. I mean, it just sure. The outside of the building, maybe if it's steel, fine. But everything else is destroyed. It's all destroyed with the water. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and I, Glenn, so the company that we called that came out in an hour uh, isn't it, we have friends who tons of friends who the same thing has happened to not just with sprinkler lines but all sorts of pipes bursting uh and the uh same company we called out that came out in an hour on monday is now currently on a four-week wait well sarah apparently <laughs> had the same thing and after your incident you didn't call sarah and say you know what happened to my house am i right sarah absolutely did you get a call from him Nope. Nope. Sarah follows my wife on Instagram. Right. Uh, she knows. That's the only way I communicate with people. My wife's Instagram post. But yeah, but yeah, it's true because like in this, the, the friends that we talked to today uh, had the same thing happen. We're not home. They were in Hawaii. 
they were like pulling a Ted Cruz. They like went on vacation, yeah. uh, to avoid all this. Oh, that those bastards. I'm going back to Ted Cruz on that. Oh, we got to talk about that bastard was not around while your pipes were leaking. Right, he could he have did, come over with a plastic he never container. Never came by. Never came Ted by. Ted Cruz that never showed up. Bastard. Cleared zero water out of my <laughs> right. house. I had to do it on my own. What house. else is he doing as a senator? I know. What else? Your job. If is you a can't sen- count a senator in for <laughs> bailing your house out or coming in and making sure that your fireplace is lit or whatever what is what good is he yeah and he was gone for a full night he He should be he brought his kids down to cancun then he flew back the next morning god only knows i hope to god Stu, you say something because i'll bet you he was gone the night your water pipe burst i bet you're right and you know what as a u.s senator when power is out, heat is out, he should be going door to door with sticks and mashing them together to <laughs> start you. fires. Thank you. That's what he should be doing. Oh, man. Well, you know, all of this happened because of, uh, well, an outdated system. We weren't prepared for global warming or cooling or whatever <laughs> we're supposed to be. Even though scientists say that has had nothing to do with climate change. That is total bullcrap. We'll tell you about it. And uh, the... The Attorney General, Ken Paxton, from the state of Texas, is going to be on talking a little bit about uh, ERCOT, the the shady little organization that didn't uh, put weather stripping down on the doors of the uh, nuke factories. The best of the Glenn Beck program. is our Texas Attorney General uh, and this state is uh, in real real trouble right now we have got food shortages uh, we have all kinds of water damage and we are just getting back online with our power grid Uh, and the governor has uh, issued a statement yesterday that uh, he would like ERCOT which is this weird oversight company uh that uh is supposed to oversee and make sure that our our electricity grid is stable and reliable they completely dropped the ball there's an investigation starting there and we have ken paxton on the phone to tell us about that and so much more hi ken how are you hi good morning it's been a tough week boy you ain't kidding um can you first explain quickly and we've got so much to go through um and i i don't mean to rush but i i want to make sure that we get to as much we can with you um can you explain what the hell ERCOT even is okay so ERCOT was was put together back in world war ii and it was a bunch of texas utilities that sort of coordinated so that they could use their excess capacity to send the industries along the Gulf Coast to help production for the war. So that's how it got started. And then after the war, they realized there were some benefits to working together. So they, they developed this this uh, network, which is lots of energy companies sort of working together to create power. And then they, they use their excess capacity and go where it's needed. Okay. Um, obviously, that wasn't working. Um, and it, it, it is also the only the only power i don't even reliability system or whatever it is it's the only one in the country that has also uh litigation protection from the government so you can't sue this company what is this yeah well so this is a it's a it's an entity that the legislature oversees and also the the uh, public utility commission in texas which is appointed by the governor so 
I, I believe if there is if there's some type of liability protection, if it's at least the state level, the legislature could fix that this session. They could say, you know, you're, you're not you're not immune from liability. And is this a public private partnership between the state of Texas and these energy companies? So it's, it's an independent uh, nonprofit organization that is running on its own, but it's overseen by a state agency called the Public Utility Commission, which has three commissioners appointed by the governor. So they, that, that commission is supposed to oversee the operations of this independent 501c4 is what it is. Okay, so we are now, we're building all kinds of windmills uh, in the state. Uh, I don't know why we're, we're doing that. They're completely unreliable. That's not, it wasn't a, a weather problem with the, uh, or wasn't a wind problem with the windmills. It was that they didn't, they didn't weather strip anything. Uh, you know, ERCOT didn't do anything to get these things uh, to protect them against a storm like this. I have some sympathy for the uh, for the against the argument of um, of we should we should be weatherized. We should have all of these things. No, this happens about once every 10 years in Texas. So we shouldn't right. have the salt trucks and the snow plows. It's a waste of money. But weatherizing our gas plants and our windmills seems pretty obvious. You know, it does seem pretty obvious because I think there are other parts of Texas that are not in ERCOT, like along uh, around Beaumont, East Texas, and also in El Paso. And I think they had almost no problems because guess what? They had winterized their, their plants. Is, is it so true? Know, we know it can work and we know that, you know, other, other parts of the state that are not part of ERCOT did that. Is it true that uh, the that ERCOT did their winterization uh, on a Zoom meeting because of COVID? They they didn't actually do anything. They just did it on Zoom. You know what? I don't know the answer to that. That's part of I think what we're going to find out. We're, we've started in my office. We we get to have the opportunity to look at five hundred one c threes and five hundred one c fours. We've started our investigation to try to understand exactly what happened and why they weren't prepared. So these guys are making a boatload of money, uh, a boatload of money. The uh, board member, president, and CEO makes almost a million dollars a year on this. Uh, five uh, of the board members don't even live in the state. One of them lives in Germany, of all places. Um, and, and I just, I, I am for the free market, but this company uh, whatever it is doesn't seem like the free market it's not responsible for to anyone it seems i don't like being in having any corporation in bed with a government of any government what are you going to do what 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 are the what are the plans here i think the first thing is to figure out exactly what happened which is why we've started we started the investigation you know a day or two ago to figure out exactly what what are they doing? How are they doing it? I think this has been not so transparent to 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 us and to the citizens of Texas. We're going to at least create some transparency and find out how they operate and then make suggestions to the legislature as to what needs to be changed and move forward from there. But until we know exactly how they did this and why we have these problems, it's hard to say what the remedy is until we know what the what the problem what the real problem is. So can we are, I mean, if Texas goes down, we lose the entire country. I know you know that in 2008, 9, 10, the recovery 
was mainly on the back of Texas. I think we created 60 percent of all jobs in the country. Um, We can't go down Um, if if we get into this green energy garbage. uh, We're toast. Texas is Texas partly because a you're still free here, but you have cheap energy. Are, are, is is the governor going to stand against this push for the Green New Deal? Because that's all anyone is talking about is how yeah, I, sir, how our I, how our, we're not prepared for the new world because we're not all green. Well, certainly, Texas, we're, we're all about uh, the most reliable source of energy and we produce a lot of it in our own state. So we've looked at all sources of energy. But the reality is we all know that right now these renewable sources of energy are not reliable and they're not cost efficient until they are. Um, I'm very confident that the legislature and the governor will not put their, uh, their full efforts into relying on, on unreliable sources of energy. What happened to our nuclear power plant? Why, why did, why did the gas and the coal and the nuclear, what, what happened there? You know, I think it's the same problem. It doesn't sound like they winterized any of it. That's what's so shocking to me. It doesn't seem like it would be that expensive, given that other places do it around the country, including other places in Texas. So I think that's going to be one of the first questions that we're going to, when we do our investigation, we're going to ask, why did you not winterize when El Paso and East Texas and other parts of the country do that as a matter of course? It doesn't make any, it doesn't make a lot of sense unless you can tell us there's some, some reason we don't, we don't, we don't understand at this point. Is there anything uh, that the state can do? I mean, I'm so concerned about, you know, the price of plywood has gone from uh, $15 a sheet, regular plywood, to almost $40 a sheet. And that was before this happened. Uh, This is going to cost a fortune and also the labor to do it. I mean, there's. All kinds of regulations on who can touch what. I mean, Stu has had plumbers out to his house, but because he had a fire suppression system, they can't do anything. They can't touch it. And it'll be months before they get to that stuff. Is there any kind of regulation that can be uh, safely cut to help people out? You know, that's a a great question. I think that's something the Texas legislature and that the governor with his emergency orders could actually implement right now is to have a review of all all regulations affecting construction and maintenance of power plants and and other uh, electricity generation sources to make it less expensive and easier to upgrade these things so we don't have to experience this again so yeah i think there are definitely things that the state can look at doing to make it less expensive and more uh make sure it gets done more quickly Ken, I want to ask you, uh, uh, really, this is kind of a personal uh, question, uh, especially with the loss of Rush Limbaugh this week. Um, You know, Biden said, and I'm quoting, that his administration is going to focus on demented and dangerous white supremacists. But through critical race theory, uh, anyone who stands up for America and our traditional values is called a white supremacist. There, There is something approaching that appears to be extraordinarily dangerous. I moved to Texas and I moved my company down here, a media company, which is now the largest subscription uh, right-leaning media company in the world. And it's based here in Texas. And I am terrified that, and so is 90% of the talent, 
that our voices are going to be squashed. Will Texas stand against this craziness and stand for the First and Second Amendment? Absolutely. And, and I have the same fear as you do, both from the government, from the federal government, but also from technology companies. Yes. So we're in the middle of fighting the Biden administration already on, on immigration. I expect that there will be more issues coming up, including some related to free speech. And part of the issue with these technology companies is that they are controlling platforms that are monopolistic. And those monopolistic platforms are the gateway to a speech in our country. And so we've got serious issues with those companies as well. That's why we've got lawsuits right now against Google and potentially more lawsuits down the road. But as you can imagine, when you take on those forces, um, it, it's, it's, uh, there's a lot of force that comes back. And Texas uh, hopefully isn't the only state standing up to fight these, these massive entities that may be trying to limit our speech. Are you, are you working with other uh, states to, to stand? I mean, I, I really think that it is our attorney generals and our states, our governors, attorney generals, and legislatures in the, in the states that are going to have to stand up and say, this is a, this is the, these are our lines and the lines are the the Bill of Rights. And I'm sorry, we are going to be a sanctuary state for the Bill of Rights. We will not go over the cliff with the rest of the country. Yes. And I think there are AGs that are going to stand up and fight. I'm, I'm concerned that we don't have the numbers that we've had in the past, but hmm. I'm certainly working behind the scenes to, to bolster that number and encourage other AGs to help us because I don't want it to be just Texas. We need help. There's this, oh, yeah. the forces against against freedom are, are great, and I think that we need help. And how can the pe- how can the people help you? What should we do? I think, that, I think the they need to encourage their own attorney generals to get involved in the fight, to to, to be involved in, in looking at what the Biden administration is doing, to be involved in these lawsuits against technology companies, and a lot of them are so. Right now, that's that's where the fight is for free speech. Ken Paxton, the attorney general of the uh, great state of Texas. Uh, good luck on your ERCOT uh, investigation, and we uh, look forward to having you back. Thank you. Thanks, Con. Be Have back. a great day. Bye-bye. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program, and we really want to thank you for listening. I've been telling you about Rectech now for, gosh, it's been a year. And I have to tell you, I am as happy with my Rectech as I was the day it arrived. I still, I had somebody come onto my uh, back porch and said, what kind of grill is that? I said, hey, a grill. That's a Rectech. It is amazing. Now, Dallas, it's warm. If, even if it's a little cold out where you are, you don't have to stand outside to grill. You're going to be mighty uncomfortable in Minnesota but not with a Rectech. Sleek and sturdy, built from stainless steel, it's got smart grill technology, which means it automatically adjusts to make sure you get the perfect temperature at all times. You can monitor and control it from an app, so you're inside while it's grilling and smoking or even baking outside. Rectech wins the day. Follow Rectech on all social media. Sign up for their newsletter at Rectech with a Q at the end. Rectech.com. That's R-E-C-T-E-Q dot com. I am a big fan of Tammy Bruce. Uh, She is a conservative, but that's not where she came from. She made a change in her life and her thinking because 
she was the president of the uh, L.A. chapter of the National Organization of Women. And when Clinton was going through what he was going through with Monica Lewinsky, she thought that the organization should be consistent. And of course, it wasn't. Uh, that's that was her. I think her first real uh, awakening. And she is uh, now somebody who is a independent conservative, quite outspoken. Uh, yesterday or day before, she wrote a series of tweets, a tweet storm on her meeting with uh, Rush Limbaugh back in the 90s when she was still a liberal, I believe. Tammy Bruce joins us now. Hi, Tammy. Hi there. It is uh, great to be on with you, Glenn. Thanks yeah. for having me. You bet. So, uh, Tammy, uh, let's go through first the Rush Limbaugh story that you told on Twitter. I think it's fantastic. Can you tell the story? Yeah, you know, I thought it was important um, uh, because it's even though we knew he was ill, uh, we expected uh, to some degree, of course, this eventually happening. But we, it's still it's hard when it does happen, even though you expect it. And it, it was important, I, I thought, for me to convey, and a lot of people have great stories, have known him for decades, but ultimately it comes down to having meeting him that led to my ability to excise myself from the left. And it's, it, But it's also a very simple story. It wasn't anything very complicated, and I think it's very important to this day why, why and how that worked. I was the weekend liberal host at KFI, a station you know well, yep. uh, and I think many Americans do. And, of course, he, that was his syndicated uh, station. And um, he uh, uh, visited on occasion to do his show there, you know, as you do as a syndicated host, checking out the, uh, the stations that carry you. And I went in there thinking, oh, you know, I'm going to go in during the week and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to confront this monster with all, you know, uh, he's not going to be able to escape. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I march on in there. And instead of seeing a, a horrible person and uh, being what uh, I had told he was, I met a, a generous, gregarious, open-minded, funny, supportive man. And uh, it, was, it was not obviously what I expected. And I realized in that moment, it's like, wow, um, I had been lied to about him. And if, if I was lied to about him, what else have I been lied to about? Uh, and he, it wasn't just like, you know, niceties. When you meet someone, I think he said when I first met him as being the president of LA Now there, uh, he said, oh, and so, so, you know, you're on the station and it's surviving. And he laughed. And I think there were, I think there were, I think there were a couple of feminazi jokes. Mm-hmm. And and but but in in a manner where it was not. I, I mean, it was it was a joke. And right. but the interest in me was clear. And he he also gave me pointers about my work. He talked about the the nature of talk radio. Um, uh, I this that was my first media job was at KFI starting in 1993. Uh, and, uh, you know, trans, even though we disagreed on many things uh, at that point, uh, his interest was in how I would do my success arguing about the issues. Uh, and, you know, it was a generosity of spirit that does not exist on the left. And it was a revelation, as was, Glenn, uh, you know, just talking with conservatives every day, callers mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, on radio, and that, you know, the, the, my associates at the time, 
did not want me to go on talk radio. It was going to be the worst thing in the world, Glenn. It was going to be horrible. And you, know, you can't go on KFI. That's where Dr. Laura is. And they've got Rush Limbaugh. He's a monster. And I thought, wow, you know, but what a great way to at least talk about the oh, issue, yeah. God forbid, right? Yeah. Uh, and how, this is, but they were just adamant against it. Now I know why. Uh, it's because of the potential of these kinds of conversations. It was the fact that people were talking at all that I would actually, for the first time, be speaking with conservatives um, who were regular people. It was the danger of the impact of debate and conversation and meeting people unlike yourself, because that if that happens, of course, then the left can't control what you Correct. think of them. Um, and, and that sort of, it was a combination of things within a short period of time where I realized, and it took me a great, some time more, a few years more even, uh, because this had been, you know, my, most of my life and point of view, was the realization. Uh, and again, Rush, meeting him, it was such an icon, and realizing the significance of him and, the, and his personal nature versus what I had been told, allowed me to first start to question what I was being told, then to be able to be safe saying, well, wait a minute, I don't agree with that, or this is not correct. And then ultimately leading to the point of resigning, of uh, deciding to not identify as a liberal, uh, to decide that it was okay, it would be safe, uh, and it was more important, to be honest, than uh, uh, trying to placate members of a tribe. And, uh, and you mentioned, I appreciate your introduction, my very first book was uh, I wanted to be able to not have my time on the left wasted. Mm-hmm. I wanted to do what Rush Limbaugh does. I wanted to, you know, at least inform people. And that was my first book, The New Thought Police, which was what Tremendous. I saw, which was this, this development of, of uh, a, an effort to silence a major section of the American public using threats and intimidation. So, Tammy, the, you know, I, I, can, I can see threats coming, and, you know, I called the caliphate. I called the 9-11 thing in 1999 and said, blood mm-hmm. body in buildings in the streets, uh, and it'll have Osama bin Laden's name on it, because I take mm-hmm. people at their word. When they say they're going to do something horrific... <laughs> You have to take them seriously, and mm-hmm. it usually works out to, you know, a, a, a legitimate warning system. When do we start taking the left dead seriously about, uh, you know, reprogramming, deprogramming, uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, basically brainwashing us, you know, into their line of thinking or some sort of, you know, McCarthy committee on truth you know it it's almost because americans we we are romantic we expect uh uh, people to do good things we have an opinion about our fellow americans which is an accurate opinion uh that we are good people we want to be left alone we are still a very young country and it is uh, uh against our nature to expect or believe why any other American would want to smash the system that we live in that brings so much wonderful, incredible things to people, not just here, but around the world. The, 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 the saving of humanity, uh, of civilization, 
um, uh, certainly Western civilization. And we're seeing, you know, if, if Eastern civilization can withstand what the Chinese Communist Party is doing. But what Americans, unfortunately, are going to have to realize is that the infection of Marxism and socialism uh, it knows no boundaries like COVID. Uh, it doesn't stop at a border. Uh, and that's what this is. It's not about an American sensibility. Uh, the, Amer- the, the mind is a fragile thing. And we've now we lost uh, the education system the moment uh, even a little bit before, but certainly when Jimmy Carter created the education department, mm-hmm. the federalizing of our public education system, that was the signal uh, that that was where they knew they needed to be to uh, uh, convince, brainwash, transform uh, uh, generations of Americans. And we've looked away because we, we who would do that? Right. We couldn't believe it could be done. But it's happening. And again, it's not a natural projection, uh, projection, by the way, for any country. Uh, but it is uh, a, a human framework that we've allowed to take hold. And the good news is, Glenn, is that it's weak, is that it is it is does not have a foundation. It, uh, no matter what your culture, what language you speak, where you're from, it doesn't survive when confronted. That's why ultimately they end up turning to violence. In our country, the good news is uh, we can protect ourselves. We are not in a position where uh, it is easy to do that, as it was certainly in the Soviet Union, in China, uh, and around the world where socialism and and all of that has taken place. So I think it's about seeing these things really happen, that that they're serious, people like us reminding people uh, uh, that you must believe them, and that this can be solved. It's just a matter of confronting it. Na, 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 na.